Good news, bad news. All right, you always start with bad, unless you really wanted me to say good, in which case, start with the good news. No, we're going to start with good news, because bad news might take a while. Okay, let's start with the good. You always do good news first. <laughs> always the good news first. Good news. Yes. Uh, I moved my second jab again, so it's now ah. even earlier. So I will be getting my second shot in, like, just under three weeks now. Oh, excellent. Now, so what I is... will be on the eight-week gap, which is the typical... Um, gap here. However, mm -hmm. it is possible to get it done before, and I may get it done before because there are a bunch of like pop-up clinics and stuff that appear mm -hmm. all over London. But my, I have a booking for like three weeks from now. Excellent. Now, uh, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to like be a turd or anything. It is is that is moving it up the right answer because i did mine i believe a month or you know four weeks at uh -huh. between one shot and two but i thought i had heard some very tentative science saying that you guys were actually doing it right and waiting longer was arguably better do you know anything about this my understanding from what like public health england is saying and stuff mm -hmm. is eight weeks is like what they consider to be the sweet spot okay there are there's also uh studies in other places that suggest six is good but some gap seems to be suggested mm. is a benefit. It seems like a lot of people in America just got them done super quick. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's necessary. From what I've seen, it's not bad to do it that way. Sure. But you can get, you know, a few more percentage points right, right, right. of uh, immunity by waiting a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. I gotcha. Okay. So, you, so you're both booked with about an eight-week gap. And that's coming up in, in a couple of weeks. It's bang on eight weeks now. Nice. Okay. It, it, it will be exactly eight weeks since we got our first one. That's excellent. Well, that that's super good news. And then mm -hmm. do you are you already at the point that you're booking travel for <laughs> eight weeks or I guess ten weeks after your first shot? It's kind of a yes and no thing right now. Like in our minds, we're arranging travel, but mm -hmm. it's kind of we we I feel like it, it would not be prudent to actually make bookings right now because yeah. things are changing a lot like with Europe and also like as well right now uh, we can't come to America like if we just wouldn't be let and that's not changed that's on our end is that correct that's on uh, I think it's a bit above but mostly okay. on your end would be the main thing for me like I'm going to be let back into the UK but right now I cannot enter America so Still hoping that's going to be changed for September, mm -hmm. but as of right now, I'm not feeling particularly confident about that, but uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I'm curious to hear an update as to how you think things are, because I am not paying as much attention as I used to to the yeah. goings-on um, here in America, because things are uh -huh. mostly status quo at the moment. However... If you believe the media and if you believe, you know, what some health officials are saying, their their hair is becoming ever more inflamed with the Delta variants, which mm -hmm. uh, if you were to believe some media, apparently you guys are like spitting across the ocean and infecting everyone with your Delta variant. And I don't think that's actually factual, to be clear, but that's the kind of impression that we're being given that, oh, the UK Delta variant, it's terrible and it's going to get you. And maybe that's true. I don't know. It's not actually what didn't originate in the UK, the okay. Kent variant, which was might have been called Beta, originated in the UK. The Delta variant originated in India. 
I'm happy that they gave them those names because it removed people calling them Agreed. UK variant, Indian variant. Mm-hmm. We are struggling with the Delta variant here. My personal thought is that you have it, you're just not testing. Like America's not, by my last kind of uh, poking around, Mm-hmm. You're not testing very much. No, no. I would right I would agree with that, that we're not testing very much. I mean, certainly it is happening, but there's not like any sort of large scale you should be tested to do these things, with the exception of occasionally people who are traveling internationally. But other than that, yeah, testing isn't much of a thing here because, for better or worse, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, I think the opinion is, well, just get your shot and then you don't have to worry about it. And again, I'm not saying that's factual. I'm just telling you that's like the, the going opinion and understanding is, well, just get your shot and you'll be fine. And we are testing... Like a like a lot. Like I think at the moment, I think I saw something in the realm of like a million people a day or something. My word! And some days that has been that level. I mean, it's 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 kind of like half a million to a million. It's really easy to get tests here. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty tricky, right? Like it kind of reminds me of your old president a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of in the inverse of if you're not testing, <laughs> you don't find the numbers. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's And fair. similarly, that's like, if you're testing a lot, you'll find it. This could be part of the reason why, it's okay, hit bad news, uh, COVID is going bananas here in the UK. We are <laughs> at like 30,000 cases a day again. Um, it is expected that we will hit 50,000 cases a day by the end of July, and then probably into August, it is expected that we will be uh, kind of like, 100,000 cases a day. We're also opening up. Hooray! Hooray, here we go. Two weeks time. Let's go bananas, everyone. Who Uh. needs a face covering? Not me. I'll hug people (laughs) in the street. Totally legal. Let me go to a bar. What about a nightclub? Let's do it. It's so... All right, here's the thing. All right, (laughs) listeners out there, I don't want your opinions on this. On anything I'm saying, I don't want them. Because this is how I feel. Everything's about how I feel. You can feel how you feel, and you are within your rights to tell it to whoever you want. I don't really want it. Um, (laughs) So this is very complicated. I have incredibly mixed feelings about what's happening right now because I have my inbuilt feelings about the pandemic that have lasted for the best part of a year and a half now. And also, I'm trying to apply different thinking to it. Mm-hmm. So, like, here's what I'm trying to get at, right? 20,000 cases a day now does not seem to have the same level of effect that 20,000 cases a day had the last time. Yep, right? I totally understand what you're saying. And it's like, yes, hospitalizations are down, deaths are down. So, the numbers don't necessarily mean what they meant before. I think I said this on the last episode, right? But I'm struggling to reconcile in my brain those kinds of numbers, right? Because those kinds of numbers, 50,000 a day, 100,000 a day, that's like worse than it's ever been here in Mm. some cases. Mm -hmm. And that's like a day and it's like, we're going to be okay with it. And I have to try (laughs) and like... I can't get my head around it. Like logically to me, like just to me as a human being with no science background, like I don't know why we're removing masks. Yep. Like why not just keep that for a while? Like I don't know who it's serving um, and I don't know why we need to 
on the 19th of July, just like let it all go. Like, I don't understand why we can't piecemeal it out a bit more. And like, and I'm not stupid. I know why it's happening, right? It's politics. But my point is like, just from a logical perspective, I don't know why we're doing it. There is a part of my brain that just feels more comfortable in thinking, maybe I trust the scientists. And if they're saying it's okay, maybe there's some level of which it is okay. And I know the problem with that because we're back to the politics thing again. But I have to kind of try and believe that at least some of the people making these decisions are doing it with what they think is the right move, mm-hmm. even though my common sense suggests that it seems like a bad idea. So kind of in a bit of a no man's land with it now, really, because you know I'll be getting my second jab a couple of days after the country is quote-unquote open and we have our Freedom Day. I'm not even kidding. That's oh, what it's been I did called. not know that was a thing. Yeah, uh, USA. Um, <laughs> so that's happening. And so then we've got like a couple of weeks, you know, and then we'll be, I would assume, okay to join society again. Like I have to believe that the vaccinations protect me. Right. Because otherwise... What's the point? And like, <laughs> right. and I know that people can still get ill with it and all that kind of stuff. But there are so many things in the world that can make me sick, you know. Anyway, so I have to kind of, for my own sanity, believe that once we are uh, past our two weeks, which everyone loves to tell you, if you come across this, oh my god, the people love to tell you that you have to wait two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I got my vaccine. Oh, well, hang on. You gotta wait two weeks. It's like, yes, everyone knows this. You don't need to tell people. Yes, this is understood at this point. We, we get it. I am wound up real tight today, by the I, way. I, like, I I'm tell. like I'm like an, a, an elastic band. Well, because all this stuff got announced last night. So like Oh, I didn't realize it was that recent. Okay. Yeah, and it's all and there's still information about it coming out today. So I'm, I'm kind of I'm a bit wound up. No, I think that's understandable. Well, let me let me tell you what's going on here from my perspective. And here again, like similar to Mike, I'm telling you one man's opinion. Uh, I am not saying that any of the following is factual or scientifically accurate or anything like that. I'm just telling you my opinion. Um, in the last month or so, I don't even recall when it was that we said, okay, you know, don't worry about masks if you're fully vaccinated. It's been like a month, maybe two. It was ages ago. Yeah. Um, and and anecdotally. Anyone that I can think of that desired to get vaccinated that is over 12 years old has been vaccinated at this point, completely anecdotally. I'm not saying that's true everywhere. I'm not saying that's true for your loved one or your ch- your child or whatever. No, there are like my understanding is like there are pockets of um, America that are worse off than others when it comes to vaccinations. Yeah. And that, I mean, it's a big country, so that's to be expected. But Again, anecdotally, and I'm trying to emphasize that strongly here, anecdotally, any any adult or older child who has desired to get vaccinated has is vaccinated at this point. Like it is it is done. Uh, now, of course, there are younger children that would like to get vaccinated, like mine, that it they're just too young. It's you know, right now, uh, America is only going down to, I believe, 12 years old. 
I think that's right. And um, and there's no official talk as to when the, the littles are going to be able to get theirs. We're hearing rumblings that it might be before the end of the calendar year, but we're not really sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but one way or another, I can tell you anecdotally, as I go into stores occasionally, which is more than the never that I was for the last year and a half, uh, as I go into places, anecdotally, it is very unusual to see a mask. It feels very much like super early in the pandemic when none of us had them to begin with and or we didn't really understand if it was useful. And it feels a lot like that. Now, the difference is mm. you're not getting looked at funny if you have a mask on because it's just, you know, you, you want to be super safe and or you're just not vaccinated yet. But for me, when I'm going in places, even though generally speaking, there is no requirement for me to wear a mask as long as I am fully vaxxed, which I am, uh, even still, I don't want to bring something home to the kids. And so I have been wearing masks on the rare occasions that I'm inside places. Um, unless I'm in like a, a small group, like if I go to somebody else's house and all the other, all the adults there are vaccinated, then that's different. But like, if I'm in a public place, I still put a mask on and I'm still generally speaking, not going inside to places if I can avoid it. Um, there is a couple of exceptions, which we'll talk about here in a moment, but it's been very wild and refreshing on the surface that if you look around in America today, in average America today, it looks like everything's over, like just from a visual perspective, you know, not a lot of yeah. masks, you know, it it's looks mostly like it used to in the before times. But then I'm seeing all these rumblings about the Delta variant. And I'm seeing all these rumblings about how, you know, case counts are starting to go up a bit and I'm getting, I'm getting nervous, you know, and it's tough because, you know, I, I wrote, I wrote in the show notes, you know, seriously, is this over or is it not? And leaving kids aside for a second, which is a big deal, but leaving kids aside for a second, I kind of, I I kind of feel like I'm in, I'm getting mixed signals. You know, in some ways I feel like, yep, it's over. Nobody's got a mask on. Screw it. We're free, baby. And then in other cases, I feel like, well, but this Delta thing is kind of the real deal. And even though officially we don't have to wear masks, maybe you should kind of put a mask on just to be safe. So I'm getting super mixed messages and And I'm getting really concerned that, you know, here it is, I'm finally sticking my head out of my turtle shell and looking around and saying, oh, yes, there is a great big wide world out there. But then I'm seeing it and I'm seeing all these signals that, you know, case counts are going up, just like you were saying, Mike, the case counts are going up. This Delta variant is starting to grab hold here. If it, if it hasn't already, we just don't know it yet. Uh, and I'm starting to wonder, maybe I should crawl back in my shell. And then this is all extremely complicated by the kids because the kids want to be vaccinated, but they can't. They, it's, it's not been tested enough to make it okay. I'm sure it would be fine, but I couldn't get them one even if I wanted. You know, even if I said, no, I swear mm-hmm. I'll attest that, you know, it's okay. We, we will, as their guardians, it's fine. I still, nobody would do it right now. And so we're in this very, very weird like in between in in the states where i feel like i'm the only one who's again i'm i'm exaggerating but i kind of feel like i'm the only one who's still looking around going are we sure are we good are we sure we're good because i'm not so sure we're good (laughs) and and it's just been very very unusual yeah i don't know man I, I, your your cases are low, but your tests are low. I don't know what's right. going on with that. I don't know why that's happening. You know, that stuff can, this is the problem, which is like looking at data and charts. It doesn't actually tell you, it's not contacts, it's just numbers. Yeah. Yep. Um, I like to play around with uh, our world in data. Mm-hmm. These are the numbers that I look at a lot because it kind of accumulates a lot of information. Um, just like vaccines and tests and case numbers and all that kind of stuff. You can kind of see country by country if you mm-hmm. you know care about comparing but like because this is the thing right like this is the thing that 
we all need to try and understand if you've received the vaccinations, like, can you just go back to normal? Like, I, right. I don't think that has been answered yet. Um, so say like America's done it and you did it a while ago and it seems to be going okay for you on the surface. Uh, we're in a, like I was reading this last night, like we're in a situation like no country's done what we're doing, which is it's rising again and we're opening. Yeah. You know, like yeah. at the scale that, that we're doing it at. So I don't know. I don't think that like, I mean, it, things do get complicated because of the kids, right? I get it. And it's not necessarily a great fear that the kids are going to get super sick, but that they can catch it, right? Like right. that's the, the thing. So like, I don't know about that, but like, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that you go back inside and live there forever and never leave again. <laughs> right. like, I just don't think I can reconcile that in my mind as like the way that we all need to live our lives forever. Right. And ultimately this is going to just become a thing that exists in the world. Like all of the other things that we don't worry about. That's exactly what I was about to say that I think what I'm trying, like the, the charitable read of the situation is yes, case counts are going up, uh, which is probably related to the fact that we're all dropping masks and so on and so forth. But the good news, and I don't know if this is factual, this is just a charitable read. The good news is, you know, and you had mentioned this earlier, Mike, uh, hospitalizations are down, deaths are down. So it we have downgraded COVID from something that could, well, I mean, obviously it still can, but something that is fairly likely to kill you to being something that will make you sick for a little while. And then you move on with your life. And that's the charitable read. The uncharitable read is well, we're just you know shooting from the hip, pew, 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 and nobody really knows what's going on, and we're all just setting up for another disaster. And I, and I don't know which one of those is real. Mm -hmm. I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. Probably. Like, there's still going to be people that get affected by this greater than others, right? Sure. Um, and there are, you know, the, there are uh, longer-lasting effects that can occur even if you are just hospitalized, right? Yep. So, I don't really know. I'm just like... I'm just going to have to see how it goes. I mean. <sighs> it's stressful. It's super stressful. You know, we're just, we're going to reduce the things that we're doing. Like we've kind of uh, expanded our horizons a bit and mm -hmm. now we're going to contract them again. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. And we're going to, you know, we know we're going to get uh, immunization soon enough and then uh, we'll just go from there. But it's, I don't know. I feel, I just feel like, I can't completely reconcile this. Like it, it doesn't fully make sense in my mind uh, why we're moving the way that we are here. Yep, I completely, completely agree. You know, it's not strange though, and something <laughs> that is universally awesome. Uh huh. Squarespace. That's awesome. The only one platform to build your online presence and run your business. That is Squarespace. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, they've got you covered. They combine cutting-edge design with world-class engineering to make it super easy to establish your home online and make your ideas a reality. Squarespace has everything you need to create a beautiful and modern website. You start with a professionally designed template and use drag-and-drop tools to make it your own. You can customize the look and feel, the settings, the products you have on sale, and so much more with just a few clicks. 
And all the Squarespace's websites are optimized for mobile as well, so your content's going to automatically adjust, making it look great on any device. You'll also get free unlimited hosting, top-of-the-line security, and dependable resources to help you succeed. There's nothing to patch or upgrade. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support. You can grab a unique domain name super easily, and they have everything you're going to want for SEO, email marketing, anything. You can use Squarespace to turn your big idea into a new website, showcase your work with their incredible portfolio designs, publish your next blog post, promote your business, announce an upcoming event, and so much more. I love Squarespace. I've been using them for years. If I have something that I want to put online, they are the first place that I go because they just make it so easy. Go and check it out for yourself right now and you'll see what I'm talking about. You can sign up for a free trial with no credit card required just by going to squarespace.com analog. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code analog and you will get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain that is squarespace.com analog. And when you decide to sign up, use the code analog to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of analog and Relay FM. So speaking of easing into society, um, last weekend, no, no, I'm sorry, not this past weekend, 4th of July weekend, but the weekend prior, uh, I did a little bit of easing back into society because uh, my brother-in-law, uh, Aaron's younger brother, he has been kind enough to ask me to be a part of his wedding, which is coming up very soon. And he, uh, he and myself and his brother-in-law, um, so his future wife's brother, uh, no, his future wife's brother-in-law. So brother-in-law, brother-in-law. It doesn't matter. Anyway, oh, three of so us. so confusing. Yeah, I it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore. It's you know just what? Let me just reboot the whole damn thing. Three guys doing yeah. a thing. No, let's <laughs> no, just no, keep it. It's good. No, no keep it. <laughs> it's three of us. We ended up three of us. Oh, I'm such a mess. Anyway, three of us went down to Blacksburg, which is my old stomping grounds where uh, my, my brother-in-law went to school, where I went to school. And uh, we did a weekend trip down there. And this was the closest I have been to having a quote unquote normal experience in quite a long time. Now, generally speaking, we tried to stay outdoors when possible and we tried to not be idiots. And, you know, I put a mask on when we were inside for anything in particular. Um, but we did do things inside. And, you know, as an example, I had breakfast at a diner that I love in downtown Blacksburg and I ate indoors. And that was the first time I had eaten a meal indoors since the 13th of March, 2020. And I feel okay about it because, you know, the people that I was very close to were vaccinated allegedly and supposedly anyone else in the restaurant without a mask on should have been vaccinated, but, uh, it's, you never really know. So I am kind of counting down the two weeks, just kind of hoping and wondering if I'm going to start feeling funny or anything like that. But it was, it was both wonderful and deeply stressful <laughs> to be doing these sorts of things. Uh, and additionally, we have the kids going to uh, a little camp at their preschool for a couple hours uh, for a few mornings for the next couple of weeks. And they're putting masks on and wearing masks. Um, but nevertheless, that's way closer to something normal than they've had in quite a long time. I mean, remember, Declan just finished a year of virtual kindergarten because we didn't want him going in at that point. And, and I think that was... You know, there, I could go through the mathematics on that, but it doesn't really matter. Suffice to say, it's what we thought was best at the time. And now we feel like, you know, it's it's a good idea to kind of ease them back into society, all this Delta stuff notwithstanding. And then we're going to the beach in, in a few weeks. And we did this last year as oh, well nice. when, when it was different and arguably more dangerous. I think 
I don't think our behavior was particularly dangerous last year. It's like no argument. It's no argument. You're vaccinated now. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I'm talking last year. It was, it was, yeah. it was way more dangerous. Oh, it I was, see your point. Th- yes, yes, no yes. Ar- right. There mm-hmm. isn't an argument. It was more yeah, dangerous then, yeah, yeah. but you did it as well as you could. And now right. you're in a much better position because right. yes. the two of you will be fine. Right. And, and you know, Finally. obviously you never know what's going to happen. But if you were to play the odds, the likelihood is even if Aaron and I were to get sick now, we would make it through okay. And if we were mm. to get sick a year ago, I think that the uh, the math says that that's far less guaranteed. And so to your point, Mike, yeah, you know, it, it seems like it's, it's, um, it, it should be safer this year, but we're doing that in, in, in a little while. And, you know, here again, like we don't plan to eat indoors anywhere because we'll have the kids with us. We don't plan to be stupid about it. If we go into places, I think all four of us will be putting masks on, even though Aaron and I, strictly speaking, don't have to, but it's, it's both magnificent and wonderful and super stressful and scary because you don't know, you don't know what could happen or what you could pick up. And it's just, it's weird, man. But you also did a little something recently. You also got out of the house. Yeah, it's our anniversary this week, three years. And so... Well, happy anniversary. Uh, we de- thank you. We decided to celebrate by having a little staycation in London. And we did a couple of uh, dining experiences. They were both indoors. Um, and we felt fine with them. Um, they were mo- there was like one of the restaurants I had a bit of a wobbly moment where I was like stressing out a little bit, you know. <laughs> uh, but by and large, they seemed they seemed okay we we're pretty happy with the way that it went um this will again like this is probably the last time i think now we'll do this until uh we've been fully vaccinated right just because you know we booked all of this stuff and and th- there is actually one outdoor thing that we might do uh in a couple of weeks time but we're not planning on any more indoor things until we feel just that we'll just get that added comfort level Yep. Um, after having the second vaccination. But it was really nice. And I'm very pleased that we did it because we got like a midweek wedding anniversary. So it was kind of like, we're going to do some stuff on the day, like have a nice meal at home together or whatever, but we thought we'd celebrate it a bit more by, by actually making a thing of it and go into some of our favorite places that we haven't been to in a long time. So it was really nice, actually, just to to do that and to just be somewhere else. Yep. Uh, it just feels so like luxurious now to <laughs> like be in a place and walk around the streets and go and do things. Like it's stuff that I used to enjoy so much. Like it's one of my favorite things about traveling. It's just being in a location and seeing what that location has to offer. Like Absolutely. some of my favorite times in the trips that I've taken. Like one that I always look back on really fondly is um, when I was in Seattle for PodCon because mo- I think for what at least, especially one of the trips, I was mostly on my own. Like it, it, not a lot of people that I knew were there and especially like none of my friends that I kind of, my colleagues were there really uh, or at least not for the whole time. So I had a lot of time on my own in Seattle and so I would kind of like see what was going on, you know, like walk around the streets, find places to eat and to get coffee and stuff like that. I li- I really enjoy that kind of feeling. And it's nice that we can experience something that has that kind of feeling to it in London now, because mm-hmm. one, we haven't been there in a while, you know, when we would go pretty frequently and two, so much has changed. Right. So many businesses right. have changed, you know, some of 
closed down, some have opened up. Like, and I mean, that's pretty normal in London anyway, right? Because it's a big city and so stuff changes around a lot, but it's also changed even more in the last year or so. So that's been, it was interesting to do. Um, um, it was nice to get to, like, to be sleeping somewhere else. Like, all of these things were just nice little treats, I guess. Yep. No, I totally hear that. And I'm super excited for going to the beach in a little while. And, even though I don't expect too much to have changed, even though in many ways, when we go to the beach, we're basically, you know, quarantining somewhere else. We have the house and then we're outside at the beach. And from all things we've understood, as long as you're not on top of other people outside is reasonably safe and, you know, reasonably okay. Um, well, it used to be in the before times that we would go and dine in at restaurants. And even though this particular beach, you know, doesn't have outwardly remarkable restaurants. We've already built a fair bit of nostalgia for them. We really enjoy them. We enjoy the food, et cetera. And, you know, last year we did a bunch of takeout. This year, some of them have patios that we would probably at least entertain. And that's actually another thing I don't think I brought up is, you know, there've been a handful of times we've eaten outdoors with the kids. And even Mm. though, even though that was no different a year ago, I think my understanding and my confidence with doing that is quite a bit different now than it was a year ago. And so I wouldn't have dropped you you I, you couldn't have convinced me for all the money in the world to go and eat outside with the kids anywhere and now i'm starting to feel like that is a reasonable amount of risk and and, and that's i think what you and i have been dancing around this whole episode so far is you know everyone has to reach their own thresholds and their own comfort levels and and yes. do, and, and just figure out what what do you mike and what do what do i think is acceptable and maybe and i'm i'm putting words in your mouth but like maybe mike you say once you're double vaccinated you will go anywhere do anything who cares and uh, that doesn't seem to be the case but you know what i mean like that that that's perfectly reasonable for you to have that opinion and for me uh, once the kids are double vaccinated you know other delta variants notwithstanding i think i will be closer to that but today uh, because of the kids, I'm still trying to play it, you know, kind of close to the vest, so to speak. And and but what's nice is as we get a better understanding as people and 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 have more data, I, I feel like Aaron and I are able to tweak our thresholds and our comfort levels and and expand in certain ways, even with the kids and do things that we feel like maybe we're wrong, but we feel like are safe. An example of that being eating outside. So like for our anniversary at the end of last month, we went and ate at one of our favorite restaurants with the kids outdoors and it was great. It was lovely. And I, and I really enjoyed it. And, and we're starting to ease into that. And that's, that's really super fun. Yeah. Like when we're talking about like the comfort level thing, once we've had our second jab, like we'll be willing to travel internationally. Yeah. 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 We'd be willing to get on a plane, stuff like that. Like, and yeah, I know it's going to be stressful and I bet it's going to be super uncomfortable too. You know, like, uh, I have no problem wearing masks, but I haven't worn one for like a nine hour straight stint yet. And I can imagine that being a little bit more uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. you know, than the maybe hour a day that I wear them at most right now. But I would be willing to do that. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. But it is is a, I I really like that, you know, it is all a personal thing. Yep. But there is, I think, that the other thing where it's like as long as your personal feelings aren't imposing on others. Yep, that's where it gets a little squishy. What's nice is, you know, everyone kind of has a built-in excuse for almost everything. And that's actually becoming a little more challenging now as everyone's getting vaccinated and things are opening up here. Not everyone understands that my threshold and your threshold may not be the same, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, as a silly example, we were invited to like an outdoor barbecue at a friend of ours house for the 4th of July. 
which on paper probably would have been fine, but it was something like 30 or 40 people, which it, again, should be fine on paper, but that was a little too much for Aaron and me because, you know, we don't know these people and we don't really know if they're the kind of people who were really vaxxed or just say they're vaxxed or whatever the case may be. Mm. And so we were like, yeah, I think we're going to pass on that one, you know, and, and, and we didn't really get any, any grief for it, but it's becoming a little more challenging again to say no on account of the pandemic, because a lot of people for here anyway, because a lot of people here are kind of like, well, why? It's, it's, we're good. We're good. Everyone's vaccinated. We're good. And it's like, well, not everyone's vaccinated as I look at my kids and it's just, I don't know. It's so squishy, but let me, let me, let's, let's move on from pandemic nonsense. If we can, uh, there's something I can actually give you a nice transition into this topic if you want. And oh, like I would love one. Transition. So one of the things that we did, uh, on as part of our weekend getaway was to ensure that we had a pretty late checkout on Sunday. Why would you do that? Because we wanted to watch Formula One before <laughs> we went home. So yep. we watched uh, the Formula One race. Excellent. The yeah. second Australian Grand Prix. You know, and I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because something I wanted to briefly talk about is I have immensely enjoyed our almost weekly group chats blowing up on Sunday mornings mm-hmm. uh, between you and me and Adina and Aaron. Um, we, the, the four of us don't talk that particularly often, you know, this show notwithstanding. Um, not to say we don't talk at all, but it's not that terribly often. And I've really, really enjoyed having like a catalyst to keep our friendship maintained. And I I hope that doesn't sound negative. I don't mean it that way at all. In fact, very much the opposite. It is really good to have excuses to talk to people, like reasons. Yep. And like, you know, I have this with you, and I also have this with Austin Evans. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you know, every weekend where there's a race, mm-hmm. we'll be talking during the race. Yep. And I would say I am in our group chat. The hell is analysis. I'm probably the least active at times because I am intensely watching the races. <laughs> like yeah. at l- l- this past weekend. It, uh, like I looked at my phone. I was like, I don't even know what anyone's talking about anymore. You know, like, so, you know, but, but most of the time I do try my best to stay involved. But, like, I don't know about other people when who do watch Formula One, but I'm very engaged in whatever is happening. I feel like a lot of people are a little bit more um, passive with it because mm-hmm. they, you know, there isn't, there are moments of excitement, right? Um, but yeah, I, I tend to be pretty engaged with the entire race from start to finish. Yeah. I think I would be if left to my own devices, but this is for us Sunday mornings. T- races are typically about nine in the morning on a Sunday. Not- yeah. You've got stuff going on. And so for us, you know, this is the prime of the kids have, you know, gotten out of bed, they've eaten breakfast. Now they want to play. And so something I think I need to do better with actually is being less insistent on paying uh, you know deep attention to the race and more okay with playing a card game with one of them or both of them or whatever the case may be um and so because of that i i don't pay as much attention as i think i would if left to my own devices like if the kids were away somewhere i don't even know where they would be but hypothetically if the kids were away and it was just Aaron and me i would probably be locked in like you are <laughs> but mm-hmm. since i'm kind of all over the place anyway it's been super fun for me and, and i mean i'm not trying to imply that it's not for you but it's been super fun for all four of us i think uh, to be able to chat during the race. And like you said, have an excuse to just keep up with each other. It's just nice. You just get like reasons to chit chat. Mm-hmm. Like this is kind of like one of the, I think the the key parts of adult relationships. Yep. And like, because people's relationships, like 
they change and grow differently. Like when people become parents, they get their parents' friends, you know, like, yep, yep, like yep. the friends that they have because they're all parents at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's just, this is what it's like when you're an adult. I think you, you're more busy. And so it helps to have reasons. I mean, it's one of the reasons that we both make so many podcasts because we do them with our friends. And so it gives us reasons and excuses to talk. To, like it's the whole reason this show exists anyway. <laughs> we used to just talk a lot, and it's like, well, why don't we just have an excuse to talk? Right, and that that can be it can be so helpful. Like, and, and I really I encourage it. You know, like to try and find shared interests and use those as a way to maintain your social relationships because otherwise it could be tricky. There is something about F1 though, which is just super funny to me. It's the type of person that I've become, which is like a person I never thought I would be. Like I shout at the TV. <laughs> and I just never thought I would be this way yep. about sport because you know yep. it's like everyone in my family is big sports people and I have absolutely zero interest in any other kind of sport like everyone's like losing their minds right now because like football's coming home and I just don't care right like I'm, <laughs> I have absolutely zero desire to watch the European football championship like it just doesn't interest me but like with I am like super into it with Formula One like I was like shouting, "Yes, Lando, come on!" Like yeah. you know, like that kind of stuff. And it's just it surprises me that that I get that way. But I understand a little bit more now why people uh, do it. I think that I said this before. Like Formula One, I think is special to me because it's so constrained. Like the people, like how many people are participating at once. Like you can really latch onto it. I think in a different way. Yep, I think I think I think Formula One has become. And it's very, been a slow burn, but it's become a an ever-increasing part of the List family's life. And, yep. and you know, the kids, well, especially Michaela doesn't really care, but Declan cares but doesn't. He really likes Hamilton, so he he, he always wants to, to know how Hamilton is doing. Because he is a kid with good taste. Mm. Mm. I, I, You know, it's so funny. I, I act as though I really don't like Hamilton, and I do. And he seems like a genuinely good person in a way that, like, Max seems like he's really a jerk. I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you why. I mean, like, you know, he's really doing the PR speak now, though. Like, they are working that Verstappen over <laughs> like you would not believe. Oh, like you can hear it. It's like, oh, it's like, oh, Max, just listen to all these tapes of things that Lewis says. You say that. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. I, I just don't believe it. Like, I believe it with Lewis, right? Yeah. And, you know, it frustrates me when people are like, oh, I blame the team. It's like, people are humans, right? They're made of multitudes. And in heated moments, I'm not surprised that he might get a little upset and he might say like, oh, I can't believe that you guys did this. But like, yeah. I feel like he always does a decent job of like, yep. um, of, of picking that up and apologizing and stuff like mm-hmm. that, you know? But I feel like, on the whole, like Lewis feels that it's like a team sport and everyone's in it together and that kind of stuff. I just don't get that sense from Max. Like I never got it from Agreed. him before. Mm-hmm. But now he's like, ah, oh, you know, this is a real great win for the team. And it, it's like, you just say all the <laughs> stuff that Lewis says. I will say it helps me a little bit more appreciate him because it feels like he's at least trying. But I don't, I don't get a good vibe about Max Verstappen. Yeah, he seems to me like he's just not kind. I am excited for him and the team in a way that they're doing so well right now because like yep. it is interesting and if he wins the championship this year it'll be kind of like you know like good work you deserve it from a skill level like you are that good mm-hmm. i don't want him to win <laughs> but if he does <laughs> it will kind of be like yeah okay like 
you have worked hard at this for a long time and you finally got all the tools that you need. And so you you have worked to get this, right? Like yeah. you are you have that kind of skill level. But I don't want him to win. It it well, it's so funny because I want him to win just because I want something different. And and again, I feel like I painted as though I really dislike Hamilton, and I don't. I think he seems like he's as nice as a man that's as successful as he is can be, if that makes sense, right? Like if you are pretty much indisputed, indisputably uh, the best in the world and possibly the best that has ever been, you're going to be a jerk no matter what. Like, there's no avoiding that. I would be a jerk. You'd be a jerk. He, I think, can be a jerk. But by and large, for someone as successful as he is, he seems like a nice enough guy. And and, and I like Toto, too. I couldn't tell you why, but I just, I really enjoy Toto. He, he cracks mm-hmm. me up. I don't, I really dislike Christian Horner for a variety of reasons. And I don't particularly like Max, but I really like that there's competition all the way at the top. And that's uh-huh. what makes me root for Max. Not because I necessarily enjoy him and not necessarily because I, I don't like Lewis. I just want something different. But with all that said, and I believe I said this in the group chat over the weekend, I think I'm kind of falling in love with Lando. I'm thinking because he's he, the best. That's he's why so, he's so enjoyable. I and, love and again, Lando Norris. Seems so nice. I love him like he's a member of my family. <laughs> I have so much affection for him. He just he's like such a nice guy and it's so good to see him like I just he, he I think I've mentioned this before like he's been one of my favorites for a while but this year as well like I am rooting for him big time. So like to yeah, give it just a general update right now, I am rooting for Lewis obviously. <laughs> Lando Norris, George Russell always. Uh, they're like my top three guys. Still want an Aston Martin to do a good job. That's kind God of where I am right God now. God save and, the queen, Mike. Good uh, grief. And I, like, <laughs> there, it is pure, honestly, purely coincidental. Except for the Aston Martin thing is 100% because it's a British car racing brand, right? <laughs> like it's the only reason. But George, Lewis, and Lando, for me, it's got nothing to do with the fact that they're British. Mm-hmm. Like nothing. Because as well, I mean, there's 20 of them, right? Right. So many of them are British. Like, it's just luck of the draw. Like, I was looking at it, like, there's no American drivers. And I find that really, and I know you have your own stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You have Indy Flight, like, all that. I get it. Yeah, yeah. But it was just interesting to me that there isn't an American Formula One driver because yeah. the sport is so prestigious. But not you would here. Think there would be at least one. Yeah, I shouldn't say it's not prestigious here. Americans, by and large, don't care about F1. It's very much a niche thing still. I think it's becoming bigger for sure, but I think it's it's much more niche. And I think that the premier car racing, it, depending on who you ask, is either NASCAR or Indy. Yeah, I know. I, but, uh, and I appreciate all of that, but it's still just surprising to me anyway. Agreed. No, I do agree with you. It, it was funny, too, over the weekend. Um, I was joking around as I'm as I'm feeling myself falling in love with Lando. And I was joking around and saying, well, you know, I think on, on account of it being the 4th of July, I'm going to root for McLaren. And I was thinking about Zach Brown, their team principal. And I think it was you, Mike, that said to me, what about Haas? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah that's the a actual thing. American <laughs> team, you know, with your favorite German and Russian. Oh, <laughs> it's gosh. like, woohoo, USA. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like, this stuff is fun. It's like the same of like uh, Aston Martin, like British heritage with our Canadian <laughs> owners. <laughs> and, you know, it's like it, all of this, the, it's also intermingled. Like, it feels like. It really feels like a very international sport in that way. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. That like, it's kind of impossible to keep uh, country allegiances 
to yeah, the teams yeah. because everybody intermixes so much and moves around so much. Yeah, but in, in and we've blown this out longer than I intended. The story of the podcast for last year, but I really, I really think I'm putting my weight behind 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 Lando as my favorite of all of the drivers. Yeah, I, I would be so so happy if he can maintain third in the championship for the year. It's possible. It's definitely possible. He's on fire right now. Yep, he's he's doing extremely well. He's going to have a good drive to survive episode. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. As will George Russell when he gets nominated to or promoted to the Mercedes seat. Sorry, uh, Valtteri, it's I not know, happening man. for you. I'm holding on to that so bad. Like, like they're actually saying it now. Like the uh, Toto said, like he said, they say it now. It's between Valtteri and George, and like mm-hmm. that wasn't a thing they were saying before. So yeah. it's it's like. It feels very possible, and I, I think it's I think it's going to happen. He he was just had the worst luck last weekend, but I don't think it matters anymore. Like I, I think he has absolutely proven his ability this season. Yeah, Mister Saturday, you know, him getting into Q three in that in, in that Williams car, like the difference. So I was saying, I mean, I could be wrong on this, but like I was thinking about this the other day. We're, de- we're deep into Formula One talk now, sorry. <laughs> the delta between uh, George and Latifi, I think is the biggest hmm. of any driver pair right now. I could probably get behind that. Like, ju- not, yeah. like just purely on the gap between them in yeah, I'm with you. qualifying and in race positioning, like where they finish. I can't think of a team where the gap is so consistently large between mm-hmm. the two drivers. And I think that shows just how good George is. Like he is out driving that car right now. Yeah, I hear you. And I think, again, it also shows that his qualifying performances are so good because they can get a good lap out of the car. But when it comes to the race, the car struggles more because it's going for longer, right? Yep, yep, yep. So there's more potential for things to go wrong. So I think, but like if you compare him and Latifi right now, like it's massive, it's absolutely massive the difference between the two of them. It's almost like they're driving for different teams. <laughs> You're not wrong. And I would love, I, I even, uh, I have no allegiance to, to either of them, but I would love to see a Hamilton Russell team. Like, how cool would that be? That would be super cool. If you're Toto Wolf, right? You have two more years from Lewis, which, by the way, I'm surprised he signed for two years. That was super intriguing. Yeah, same. Because I was wondering what he was going to do because of all the regulation change, but I'm pleased that he's going to continue. If you're Toto, right, you're looking at Lewis and you know who you've got. You've got that second seat. Valtteri is never going to be Lewis Hamilton. Mm -mm. You need your next Lewis Hamilton Mm -hmm. or as close as you can get. So you need someone young and good. That's George, right? That's why he's in this position anyway. Surely you would want to put the two of them together and try and establish a mentoring relationship between arguably, I don't even think there's much of an argument anymore, the greatest Formula One driver oh, of yeah. all time. No, no arguably. You I have think it's true. him. Like, why would you not want to bring someone in who you want to foster to become, mm-hmm. you know, like, realistically, George is, like, the next Verstappen, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, Verstappen is amazing, 
I don't think he's going to eclipse what Lewis has done. I think there's a possibility, but I do agree with you that it's it's unlikely. I think Max Verstappen, my reader, he will just be one of the great drivers, mm-hmm. right? But I don't think he's going to be like, I'm going to break every possible record. Like, I just don't think that's going to happen. I wouldn't assume that George Russell would do that either. But you want to put someone in that seat who can learn from Lewis while you have Lewis because you have... The, he the greatest, like one. It's madness, right? Like, <laughs> oh, we'll just keep bringing in, bringing in people. Who, like, you know, like, oh, we're gonna keep Valtteri. Like, why? Why would you do this? I, you know, it, it would be very surprising to me. And then it's just like, where would Valtteri go? Like, that's the problem. Like, I've seen people suggesting, like, which is, I can't even believe that this would happen. But I don't know what else he would do. Like, Williams. Oh, that that would be quite a fall from grace, wouldn't it? There My aren't goodness. a lot of seats available this year. There just aren't. Like uh, so many of the drivers in the good teams have signed multiple year deals. Yeah. So unless someone wants to break a contract, I don't know where Valtteri would, would go. Like I was looking at this the other day, and like Aston Martin with with Seb, and Kate was pointed out that Valtteri. I didn't know this actually. Was was a was a Williams driver in 2014. And like, look, and there are actually good arguments to suggest that in the next couple of years, Williams could be middle of the pack again. You know, like they're making advances. They're mm-hmm. in a different position. They have a different financial uh, area to them. But yeah, so like, it, I don't know where. I don't really know where you would put Valtteri otherwise. Well, it, it looks like the other Red Bull seat is currently open. You imagine him and Max? That would be funny. Well, Sergio, what are you talking about? I'm looking at I'm looking at Wikipedia. 2022 Formula World One Formula One World Championship. Oh, they only signed Sergio for a year. I guess, yeah. I think, I mean, if I'm Christian Horner, you finally found someone who can work with Max. Oh yeah, I think they should stick with with Sergio for sure. I think that they're going to be sticking with Sergio. Uh, agreed. I, I completely agree with you. Um, but I mean, my point is just that it is technically available. So you've got mm-hmm. AlphaTauri has nobody right now for next year. Aston Martin has Seb and nobody else. And then Mercedes obviously is up for grabs. Red Bull, whoever's with Max is up for grabs. And to your point, uh, we haven't figured out what's going on with Williams. So that's your one, two, three, four, five, six. So it's like, I can't imagine Red Bull changing. I can't imagine AlphaTauri changing. The only change for AlphaTauri is if uh, Pierre had somewhere else he could be. And I don't think that yeah. there is another step for him. I think he's going to stay there because he's doing great. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and really somewhere like McLaren would be great for him, but it's not available. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know. That was a lot of F- F1 talk. This is, we're, we're just like three, three episodes away from this being a dedicated F1 podcast. Yeah. This is what's great for me, though. I love this. I love just talking about it on my various shows and not needing to have a show for it because I don't know enough. <laughs> I'm not smart enough Same. to try and like say I can have a Formula One show, but I can just talk about it wherever I want. Yep. No, I agree. Oh man, it's good times. And you know, speaking of times, you know, you, yes. you want to you want to know how uh-huh. now this is two this is two week of oh, a segue. Yep. Never mind, never mind, Jim. Pull it. Pull no, it. no, no, it we're keeping work. it, and I'm no, just now going to do the ad. This no. episode is brought to you by <laughs> Pingdom from SolarWinds. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how targeted your marketing content or how sleek your website is, they're going to bounce if a page is loading too slowly. But with real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance affects your visitors' experiences. So you can take action before your business is impacted, or for as low as just $10 a month. 
Whether your visitors are dispersed around the world or across different browsers, devices, or platforms, Pingdom will help you identify bottlenecks, troubleshoot performance, and make informed optimizations. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution. This means it's built for scalability, so you can monitor millions of page views, not just sample data, at an affordable price. Get live site performance visibility today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you're ready to buy, use the code analog and you will get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. That's pingdom.com slash RelayFM for a 30-day free trial and the code analog at checkout for 30% of your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from Solar Winds for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. We're doing a greatest hits today. <laughs> we really are. You've had a uh, busy few weeks in podcasting, but it's also led to some interesting stuff on Twitter, from what I can tell. So I kind of just wanted to talk about how Twitter can be good and bad, mm-hmm. as if you've never heard me say these exact things before. <laughs> this, these really are like two things that I've spoken about on this show almost exactly. Yep. One of them is like one of the things that I love about Twitter, and we spoke about this before with uh, Edgar Wright same deal you can enjoy a thing and you can tell someone you enjoy a thing and you can know that that person saw it and i think that that's one of the great things about social media it's one of the democratization parts of it you know it does lead to the fact that you as an individual open yourself to people being able to directly criticize you that and Mm -hmm. that's kind of this isn't what i'm talking about here but that's kind of like the good and bad of it so like one thing is i you know long-term since I noticed I this past year I have watched all of the West Wing the show and then listened subsequently to the entire run of the West Wing weekly podcast and it has been just a wonderful thing uh, that I've completed and I enjoyed the show so greatly easily one of my favorite podcasts of all time just fantastic just absolutely adore it um, and when I was done I sent a tweet to the host of the show Rishikesh Hirway and Joshua Molina. Joshua Molina, who was uh, in the show, right? So Joshua Molina was in the West Wing. Like that's kind of what made the West Wing Weekly so popular. It was kind of one of the first rewatch shows to do this, where it was like mm-hmm, one mm-hmm. of the hosts was on the show, right? And that's kind of what right, right. made it so good, and it meant that they could bring in everyone, right? So like they they were able to just bring in basically every person that was on the show was a guest at some point on the West Wing Weekly, which I think really helped the show uh, kind of like progress. Like, so Joshua Mayne played Will. They had everyone, including like the final episode of the show. It was a live show and they had oh, like cool. 30 guests and it was oh, incredible. Wow. They had like anyone they could get from the cast, writers, the creators of the show. Like it was incredible. You know, it's like the whole thing was amazing. But when I was done, I just sent out a tweet, said how much I loved it and got replies and faves from both of the hosts. And it was like, this is an amazing little moment for me. I love the thing. I expressed it to those people and they saw it and acknowledged it. And so this is what can be great about Twitter. I completely agree with you. And I, I don't have any of those specific moments on hand that I can think of, but those have happened to me too, where I've said to someone who in any normal universe would have no freaking clue that I existed and mm-hmm. yet somehow I was able to pierce in, in, into their bubble and get their attention for just a moment. And when it's something positive, like what you're describing, it's the best. Like 
you want to tell someone that you have no business being able to talk to, hey, I really liked this thing you did. And when they say, hey, thanks, like even just a fave or a heart or whatever it's called today, even just that is super cool because you know that you told someone whose work meant a lot to you, hey, this meant a lot to me and I really liked it. And and you, you've put that joy into the world, which is the great side of Twitter. It's so nice when you can put good into the world like that, rather than all the vitriol and, and awfulness that we'll probably t- end up talking about in a second. It, it's so nice to be able to put good in the world and, and just know that you've hopefully, even for just a second, made somebody else's day a little bit better. Yeah. But the other part, the other part that I kind of wanted to talk about is like, I am becoming like increasingly tired and of and angry about how upset people are on Twitter all the time. <laughs> like yep. the trending topics tab, which I see more than I wish I would because I try to search things and then I get sucked in, which is exactly the point. It's full of just so much nonsense, like, just like unbelievable garbage. Like, Marxist has been a trend here what? in the UK for weeks. I can't, I, honestly, Casey, I don't even know what it's about. It's like something <laughs> about, about the fact that some of the foot, like the, the English footballers took the knee during like the national anthem. And mm-hmm. so now they're like Marxist. I don't, what? I can't, like, I'm not even going to attempt to explain something I cannot conceive of understanding. Like, the reason I see it, like, I don't want to see it, but like, I search for things on Twitter a lot. I have a bunch of saved searches that I use for different shows or I'm looking for it. So, like, every time I press the search button, the trends are right there in front of my face, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, there's so. Eh, Everyone's always angry about everything all the time. Yep. Always. Yep. And most of the things like are just nonsense. And like a lot of the time, and like I'm going to say this, it's not just the people that you disagree with. It's also the people that you agree with, right? So I'm talking about like (laughs) political sides, you know, Mm -hmm. that everyone is too angry about everything all the time and trying to pick apart things that people say about everything all the time. Like it's just so I'm just getting tired of it. Yep, I completely agree with you. I think I I think somehow society internationally, you know, everyone everywhere, people who mean to do well, people who mean to do ill, everyone seems to be gr- getting spun up about dumb, oh, well, I shouldn't say dumb stuff. Sometimes it's very important stuff, but everyone seems to be getting spun up always. Like you're not participating in global discourse if you're not spun up about something. If you haven't grabbed your pitchfork and if you aren't storming the castle. And I I am guilty of this as much as the next guy. I'm not trying to paint like that 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 I'm better than anyone else. I am as guilty, maybe even more guilty than the next guy. But Something I've been trying recently, which I think anytime you listen to this show and we talk about Twitter, I think you'll hear me say the phrase, something I've been trying recently. Uh, but something I've been trying recently is, what is this in service of? And that's not only applicable to Twitter. Like, But what is this in service of? It, why am I angry or why am I saying this? And a lot of times, if I'm really and truly honest with myself, I am I am writing something or saying something in service of 
making somebody else feel bad or guilty or, or just being angry or whatever the case may be. And this is true of Twitter particularly, but as a more concrete example, I was writing an email to a family member this morning and I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated with this family member for reasons that are unimportant. And I was trying to answer a question they had asked and I had written like a final paragraph that was kind of like a little, you know, like a little, eh, you know, well, screw you, man, <laughs> sort of thing. And I wrote it and I reread it and I asked myself, well, what is this in service of, which I think is a Merlinism, but what, what is this in service of? What am I trying to accomplish here? And I, I realized I'm just pissed off at this person and I want them to know it. And there is a constructive way to do that. Like there, you can, if I'm upset with Mike, like I can, I can say that in a constructive way, but what I had done was not constructive. And I thought about it for a minute and it took me a little while to be honest enough with myself to say, no, you just, you just want to get a little zinger in cause you're annoyed. And I thought about it and I said, you know what? This doesn't accomplish anything. I don't really feel better about me or this other person having written it. And they're probably going to feel worse having read it. Mm. What is this accomplishing? And I deleted that paragraph and, and I, and I then sent the rest of the email, which I think was fine. And I felt much better about myself afterwards. And, you know, Matt in the chat just pointed out, and I think it's a very apt, another Merlinism that is useful here. Is this wholesome? It's another way of looking at it. And I think that's really good. You know, is this wholesome? Am I, am I doing this for good reasons or for bad? And in this particular case of this last paragraph on this particular email, I was doing it for me and I was doing it because I'm annoyed and that's just not wholesome. It's not useful. And I think so much of Twitter, and again, I am so guilty of this. One day I will learn the, the, the cardinal rule of Twitter, which is never tweet, but I haven't learned it yet. And I try to ask myself, I try very hard to ask myself, basically is this wholesome, but, but more directly, like, what is this in service of? And if I'm complaining and moaning or, or snarking about something, yes, it's funny. And sometimes a, there's, you know, when you find a good quip, a good snark, it can be delightful, but, Amen. but I don't know. I, I think putting that negativity into the world, which I don't know, it feels so hippy dippy saying that, but I mean it like putting that negativity in the world is something that I'm trying very hard to do less of. And I am not succeeding on a great, I, my success rate is not good. But I am trying really hard not to do it as much. Uh, Matt in the Discord has put in now what I consider to be one of the great tweets of all time. It's from <laughs> Todd E. Dillard. I see your tweet failed to mention all contexts and exceptions. Prepare to be exterminated. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, is so, so good. perfect. So, so perfect. good. <laughs> It is because that that prepared to be exterminated <laughs> is the exact way of explaining like what it's yep. being canceled, right? Like yep, it's yep, that yep. level of like everything is about to get terrible now because you didn't mention every possible uh, permeation. And this yep. is kind of what I was getting at. That feeling is what I was getting at earlier in the show when I said, I don't want to hear what you have to say about your opinions, right, right, about right. my opinions. <laughs> it's that feeling of like, I feel a thing or I'm saying a thing you do not need to tell me that you disagree right. or you think something different. You don't have to tell me. It's fine. Mm -hmm. It's perfectly acceptable for you to keep your opinion to yourself. Yep. That's or so you true. can express it however you want, but mm -hmm. 
but it doesn't have to be at me. Exactly. Exactly. Feel free to to to, to say that I'm wrong on your podcast. Right? <laughs> you, you don't have to bring it to me. Like I don't need these things to all uh, lay at my door. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. And and I don't know. It, it's so tough because Twitter at its best is so phenomenally great when you can pierce into Edgar Wright's yeah. world and say, I really enjoyed this and, and have him say, Hey, thanks. I'm glad you did. Like that is the most amazing feeling or it, maybe even more so, you know, if you're on the receiving end of that, like somebody reaches out and says, Hey, you know, I was in a really dark place, but listening to analog really helped me get through it. Like how freaking amazing is that feeling? How amazing is that? It's so great. And why would either of us know that Joe Schmo was in a dark place and that we helped them get through? Like, yes, you could email us, but, but Twitter in one of the advantages of Twitter is because it's so, so limited, you know, you can make your point, you kind of have to make your point pretty quickly. And, and it's so, so great to get those kinds of messages. But when you get canceled for something that, you know, is, is like what this tweet says, like, yes, okay, maybe I didn't examine the every context and possibility and, and edge case and so on and so forth. Like, come on, is that necessary? And that's when Twitter's the worst. And it's just, I, I will never leave this hell website as something I read on Twitter quite a lot, but I think it's, I, that's how I think of it too. Like I think of it that way as well. Like I don't see myself leaving it, but as you and Marco and so many others of our friends have done before, I feel myself contributing to it far, far less. It's just not as fun for me as it used to be. And that's just, I guess that's just how it's going to be, right? But like, it's not just Twitter, though. Like, all online discourse yep. is like this now. Like, this is not a Twitter problem. Twitter is just the fastest, like, yep. Yep, yep, yep. feedback loop. Um, it's all like this now, to, or, or, or at least can get like this now, or has the, the ability to get like this now. Yep. That's yeah, it's tough. And I, I, I just, I don't understand why or how all of us, again, myself included, have come to be like, I don't know, just obsessed with what, what are we yelling at today? What like people have said about Twitter, you know, who's the main character on Twitter? Because whoever it is, you're the loser, you know, like, like bean dad, for example, like you don't want to be the main character on Twitter. Um, so I don't know it, it why, why are we all so, ang- so excited to, to yell and scream and shout? And, and I what don't do you know. think you'd get canceled over? <laughs> what, do you, what do you think it'll be like some view on time or? Uh, like time zones. Be, uh, <laughs> People have tried to cancel me about Celsius for a long time and it hasn't stuck yet. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, honest to God, like I really don't want to invite people to comb through my past tweets and, and we could have a long conversation about why I haven't just deleted them anyway, but you should just do um, it. There's absolutely, mm. absolute zero benefit to you to keep them. You benefit nothing. Uh, I just, I hate, I hate breaking like what I would want to do is be able to comb like what tweets have I or others referred to that are not bad that are on just like a website. Them. I know. Just delete but, them. I know. I know. You're probably right. But but leaving that aside for a second, like I am sure I have expressed problematic views in the past. And like, I really don't want to be doing this on a podcast, but here we go. Like I think canceling someone can be justified, but I I personally, probably because I'm a, um, an okay, okay, well-off white dude, it's hard for me. It's very hard for me to, to, to see so many people get canceled for things that happened long ago, because as I can think of 
terrible th- opinions I've had mm-hmm. and awful things I've said. And, and at the time I might have meant it to be like, I might have had a, a truly terrible opinion. Um, and, and I might've said a truly terrible thing. And at that mm-hmm. moment, yeah, I should have been canceled. Right. Like I, and I, I can't think of an example. And even if I, even if I could, I don't think I would cite it. It's, it's all about context, the time of the thing and right. stuff changes. Language changes. Exactly. Um, cultural norms change. And you can very much agree, like, and argue that these norms should have always been the norm. Right? Exactly right. But it, it's just not how time works. Exactly. And so I, I'm very fearful, and it may be Twitter, but it may be something else entirely. Like, it could even be on my website, for goodness sakes. Like, maybe I have had some truly and deeply problematic opinion. That was wrong. Like, I am not debating the fact that my opinion was wrong. But maybe society and or, and or certainly... I at the time didn't know better. And mm-hmm. I'm so fearful that I'm going to get absolutely obliterated for something that today I know is wrong, but yesterday I didn't. And like uh, a silly example of this, which is not particularly clear cut, but like Chrissy Teigen was recently canceled and is starting to ease back into, into public civilization again. Uh, and, and I, I have very mixed feelings about it because she was by her own admission, terrible, like absolutely terrible. Uh, astonishingly terrible. But if we don't let people learn, if we don't let people move on, mm-hmm. what, what, what are, what are we doing? Like, is she never allowed to be a person in public ever again? Like, I, I mean, I shouldn't feel bad for someone who's, you know, from all, from all outwardly measures seems to have everything, but yeah, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And you know what I mean? Like if we don't allow people to say, you know what? I, I done messed up. And I messed up bad, which is to my eyes, as someone who was not the recipient of her vitriol, it, that is what she said. She said, I, t- I messed up bad and, and that's on me. And, and I hope that it's okay to like Chrissy Teigen again, you know, as a silly example, because I really think that at the time she should have known better, but didn't. And now that she knows better, she's trying to be better. And I, and I, and I want to believe that that's okay. And I'm scared that that's not, that's not enough. Like, unless the heads are rolling, it's not enough. Imagine not living a perfect life. Imagine oh, that. Imagine. I mean, I wouldn't know anything about it because I've been perfect since I came perfect out of the womb. Perfect the whole but... time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we got on this subject, but yeah, I'm scared. I'm super know, scared man. about it. Well, then you should start off by leaning. <laughs> no, I really need to. I really should. <laughs> oh, and then goodness. move on from there. Yeah, that's probably the first step. Let's delete your old tweets. Tweet less. And that's that. Yeah. But do you know, you want to know what is basically perfect? Don't. <laughs> Why not? Come on, man. I'm not, you're going to have to do it. I'm, I'm going to leave you hanging. You're going to have to do okay. it. Okay. This episode of Analog <laughs> is brought to you by Swell, a home for your voice when you're not on stage. When you're not performing live, when you're not running a room or recording a podcast, you can think of Swell as a personal audio portfolio, a quick way for people to explore your voice and ideas. With Swell, you can capture your life in audio. You can post your thoughts, moments, photos, feelings, opinions, and experiences using your own voice. It's like having a personal audio diary that you can post to at any time. Then you can share your Swellcast link with your followers to keep them updated. You can even embed your Swellcast in your own website using their widget. Swell is a social network of users who love audio in all forms. 
Podcasters can find new listeners as well as new guests for their podcasts as well. And Swell can be both public and private. If you want to take the private route, you can create invite-only private groups for your friends and followers. And all your conversations in groups are only visible and audible to the guests that you invite. Obviously, I think the audio content is an incredible thing. I think that it enables people to connect to you and you to connect to people in ways that other types of mediums don't allow for. And, you know, like video is great, but video is also like it takes a lot of work to really make good and audio not so much. So one of the things that I like about Swell is it makes it easy for people to share what they want to share, their thoughts, their opinions, their feelings in a medium that I think is incredibly engaging and great. So I think people should go check it out. Swell is free. There are no ads, which I also really love. And they're planning on introducing a subscription and marketplace model as well so creators can generate revenue, which again, I think is something that is super important. To learn more, go to swellcast.com. That's S-W-E-L-L-C-A-S-T.com to learn more. Our thanks to Swell for their support of this show and Relay FM. Recommendations. I feel like we've skipped this for the last episode or two. No, not, not intentionally, not but... No, it's not true. Okay. You just have a bad memory. Uh, I have the worst memory. <laughs> it's I'm going to cancel you for forgetting. I know. I'm so sorry. I, I apologize for this oversight. I have learned from it. I would it. like you to write your apology in Apple Notes and share it with me. <laughs> Please. That live text feature is going to make copy and pasting that stuff really good. You know? Mm-hmm. When people share their mm-hmm. apologies, yep, like yep, you yep. copy and paste it now. Yep. It's going to be really great. Yep. Uh, what do you got? The Adventure Zone. I'm, I'm recommending it again. I'm you actually recommending know. two things today I have previously recommended. So the Avengers Zone I recommended before when I finished listening to the Balance arc of the show, uh, which was like a long-running part of the show. It's broken down into different stories, basically. And I just got finished um, listening to their most recent, which is called Graduation, uh, which I really enjoyed i i absolutely loved it it's weird to me it seemed to have split the community and people didn't some people seem to not like it and and for as much as i can read about why people didn't like it i don't understand why uh i really loved the story i thought it was really well done and as always they created an incredibly enjoyable experience they just started a new campaign or they're about to start a new campaign called Eversea. And at the moment, they're doing something different, which is like they have this like mini um, setup period where they're building the world collaboratively, which is not a thing that they've done before. But just in general, The Adventure Zone, I just think is one of the all-time great podcasts in its many forms uh, and is really something that I thoroughly recommend to people. Uh, As always, I will recommend starting at the beginning and listening to the first 69 episodes. So much work. Oh, my goodness. My favorites are the first 69, which is the balance arc. Then they go into a bunch of experimental stuff and something called Amnesty, which I didn't actually finish, but I plan to at some point. And then graduation. Like, you know, you can just jump around, but like listening to the first 69 uh, is, I think, genuinely worth it. I think it's one of the great stories of all time, in my opinion. I think it's just beautiful and wonderful and incredible. Um, and I thoroughly recommend it. I love the McElroy family. I think they produce incredible things. Um, and The Adventure Zone is one of those things. Yeah, I've never heard any of The Adventure Zone. And I, and I, I bet you I would really, really like it. But it feels like just an insurmountable amount of work, which is probably unfair. But when I look at my podcast queue that is constantly growing and never shrinking, I feel like the last thing I want to do is add 69 more episodes to that queue. 
It's nice, 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 nice. I said it so many times so you can get it a bunch. Um, <laughs> All right, what else do you have? Uh, Shit's Creek. That's a great show. We were looking for like a uh, just an easy show to watch during like when we eat dinner and stuff like that. Um, and so we've been chipping away at it. It's our second viewing of Shit's Creek and holds up super well to a second viewing. Uh, I think it has some of the great comedy moments, like television moments. But I think people that have seen the show know it. Like they they have these moments, and we spoke about it before at length. It's, I think it's just, I think it's just some of the best romances and like love. I think it has some of the best ex- like examples of what love can be in mm-hmm. friendships and relationships of all kinds that mm-hmm. I've seen in any television show. Like it's so good, I can't even believe they were able to make it. That, you <laughs> yeah. know that, that yep. kind of thing that's um, true it's just it's a truly wonderful wonderful television show that if you've not watched and that, look it's one of these things where like I hate having to say this but it's true you kind of got to get through the first season and into the second that's when it really opens up mm. like before that point I think they were just making a pretty run of the mill comedy show and then they changed what the show was about and, and it really starts to like open up after that so Get into the second season and you'll understand what's going on. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I We did watch all of, uh, of Schitt's Creek and absolutely loved it. I don't remember what I thought of the first season, but I know I've spoken with people recently that have started to dive into it. And they've been having very... rewatched it, I was surprised to have the tone of the first season is different. Mm. Like, it, it, like it surprised me. It was six seasons in total. And and like watching the first season, it's like, oh yeah, this was quite a different show. Yep, absolutely. And and I've seen people who have who have been trying to dive in recently and they're like, oh, I can't get into it. It's a bunch of rich people being jerks. Like, whatever. I've seen that before. And well, that is how it starts. That is not how it ends at all. And so I, I echo what you said, Mike. Not only is it worth watching, but um, but yeah, if you can make it through the turn, if you will, then it then it's really quite great. Uh, I will do two as well, and I will make both of these quick. Uh, first, just last week, I believe, Summer of Soul was released on Hulu, if I recall correctly. Um, this is a documentary by Questlove, and it's his first uh, documentary. It's his first directing uh, a job, as far as I know. And the premise of this is the same year as the Woodstock, like the original Woodstock, which I believe was 1969. I think I have that right. Um I mean, a lot of 69s in this episode. Very nice. Nice, um, nice, 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 nice. <laughs> anyway, one way or another, whatever year the original Woodstock was, there was also a, I think it was called the Harlem Culture Festival, and it was effectively a Woodstock, but for black artists and for you know soul music and, and stuff like that. And as someone who has really gotten into that kind of music in the last few years, um, mm-hmm. watching this documentary was unbelievable. The only problem I have with the documentary is that it is clear that there was hours upon hours upon hours of footage of all these different artists doing all these different like concerts basically. And you only get, but a taste in the documentary. It's like an hour and a half long. Uh, and in the performance they show are phenomenal, but there it's so obvious. There's so much material here. And I really hope that one day we're able to see like, like we have for Woodstock, you know, a more complete, um, release. Oh, you can't actually get, the performances to the best of my knowledge that's correct um 
And so, yeah, you can't, you can't like get these. In fact, my understanding, having watched the documentary is that these tape, like the whole thing was taped and these tapes sat in like some dude's basement for 50 years or something like that, or whatever the number was. And they were just recently discovered. And then Questlove made this documentary, but it is really good. It's really interesting as someone who was not alive by quite a fair margin at that point. Um, it, it's interesting seeing race relations then and it's also very frustrating seeing how much of it mm. is still applicable today. I would have thought and hoped that in like 50-ish years, we would have moved on from a lot of this. And it's very clear that we have not. And that's really too bad. But uh, it's Summer of Soul. Um, and it's really, really good. And I really recommend it. Uh, I've recommended this before. I'll do it again. But since we're bringing up things we've watched and recommended before, uh, Letterkenny. It's another Canadian comedy. It is a very different show than Schitt's Creek. It is, I think, less approachable than Schitt's Creek. You have to be the right kind of person to enjoy it. But holy jamolis, we've been slowly rewatching Letterkenny as our kind of like saccharine TV. You know, our A, we don't really need to pay attention to it. We just want to laugh a bit. Um, I really, really love Letterkenny. It is an ex extremely good show. There is a lot of heart to it more than you would realize if you just take a surface glance at it. Uh, but it is another kind of esoteric Canadian show that we have been rewatching and absolutely freaking love. Um, so you should give that a shot if you're if you're willing. Let's make one final recommendation. Yes, this please. This is for another show here on Relay FM. It's called Focused. Mm -hmm. So you should go and check it out for yourself. It's a really fun show. I enjoy it a lot. It's hosted by the wonderful David Sparks and Mike Schmitz. If you're struggling to focus, you're not alone. With all the distractions we have these days, focus can seem like a superpower. But David and Mike can show you how. Go to relay.fm slash focused or search for focused wherever you get your podcasts. And speaking of things that had to pivot, because that was different hosts and it in a very different show in the beginning. That's and, true. Uh, and then pivoted. So it, and it's, uh, it's great. Both iterations are great.